0: Wherever you are, wherever you are around the world listening to us, you came to this channel and you're listening because you're hungry for the Word. You're seeking the Lord. You want to be used by God to be a vessel of the Kingdom, of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And we simply are trying to do our part to fill you in with the word of God to encourage you, to give you tools, to um, you know, just to, to bless you and and uh, to help you wrestle through how to live out your call and what it is that God is asking you to do. So we want to thank you, everybody at Rick Bonford Ministries, those of you in India, in uh, in all kinds of countries on the continent of Africa, in Ireland. Thank you, those in China and Korea, China everywhere, who are who are staying true. Honestly, many of you who are uh, Christians listening, you're Christians in a much more difficult circumstance than we are here in the U.S. And uh, and so we're praying for you. We are thankful for you, and we hope that you are continually blessed. As, uh, we are streaming Bible studies from our office here in Athens, Georgia, in the United States of America, every day, just sending you out the Word. So stay tuned in as we continue the book of Acts. Today, we are, we are studying Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. And, uh, this is, uh, uh, the verses where the second missionary journey begins, and, uh, um, Paul comes to, uh, Derbe and Lystra again and find Timothy. So Timothy joins the crew and these are five verses that kind of talk about, about that. So let me read these five verses and then we'll, we'll just get into it a little bit. So this is Acts chapter 16 verses 1 through 5. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra and behold a certain disciple was there named Timothy. The son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were in Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with them, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew that knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep. "...that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily." So Timothy suddenly joins uh, the second missionary journey. The first thing that happens, the first thing that's reported, is that Timothy joins uh, Paul and the others traveling with him, Silas and whoever else was with him. And so this is a really interesting five verses... That uh, that we want to get into, and so we're going to spend some time talking about Timothy. Timothy ends up becoming a very significant New Testament figure. You know, he 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 shows up several times throughout the book of Acts. There's uh, uh, two epistles that Paul writes to Timothy. He mentions Timothy in other epistles, and so we begin to find out that that Timothy becomes a a, a very important figure in the growth and development of the of the early church in, in the first century. Um, so Timothy's a really, really fun guy to study, and so we're going to spend a little time uh, talking about Timothy and who he is. So what do we know about Timothy? Well, it turns out we know quite a lot about him uh, based on just uh, some things that Paul said and some information we're given. So we know from these verses that his mother was a Jew and that his father was a Greek. We know that he was uncircumcised, which was interesting, uh, you know, because if his mother was a Jew, typically he would sort of take on that Jewish heritage and and, may have, and would have been circumcised, but he wasn't. Um, so we know that his mother and his grandmother were, um, Christians and really discipled and invested in him. And so we know that, uh, from, uh, Paul writing in 2 Timothy 1 5, Paul says, uh, to Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Which first lived in your grandmother Lois. So the family, so the family line of the heritage of faith came through the grandmother, and then, and in your mother Eunice, so it came from the grandmother, then it came to the mother, and then I am persuaded now lives in you also. So it, so there's a, Paul is tracing the faith heritage that came down to Timothy there. And so, you kinda, this might be a little unfair to Timothy. Okay, so don't, don't but it, you kind of maybe get the idea that he's a little bit of a mama's boy. <laughs> That's a good southern, you know, phrase, you know, to mean, is he, you know, maybe he was a little soft or, you know, kind of pampered a little bit. And, you know, in a way, you know, he's got a grandmother, he's got a mother, and and, he, and you kind of get the idea that he had a decent situation. He had family support. He, he had uh, people who loved him there. In Lystra, where he lived, and so he was brought up in the faith, and he was and he was brought up in the in the scriptures, um, but he was uncircumcised, and so we we learned that he submitted to circumcision under the direction of Paul for the purpose of doing ministry. Okay, and uh, it's a very interesting decision by Paul because actually the Jerusalem Council just just now decided that. We did not need to require people to be circumcised and to submit to the law. And then, but see, Paul clearly—it's clear that Paul is not doing this in order to establish Timothy's salvation, but in order to establish Timothy as being prepared to minister to the people that they're they're going to go to. Okay, so it's, it's, it's obvious that this is a different situation. So, so don't be confused here and think that Paul is contradicting the Jerusalem Council, immediately afterwards. This Okay, so he's not talking about salvation. Paul is, is, is saying, Timothy, we have to do ministry, and that's different than, we're not talking about your salvation, we're talking about preparing you for successful ministry. So, Paul was impressed by Timothy. You know, he had a good report from those around him, and so he decided to invest in this young man. He he decides to bring him alongside, and so uh, Timothy eventually became one of Paul's strongest co-laborers in evangelism. Travels with him, uh, Paul entrusts him to do all kinds of things, and eventually Timothy. Uh, listen to this from Philippians two, verses nineteen to twenty-two. It says this as Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him. Man, Paul says that about Timothy. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So we see here in Timothy, he becomes someone who takes on uh, the role that Paul just wrote about in Philippians true the role to the role of a servant. He says, Timothy is someone who's not going to go there and, and just look out for himself. He is a man who is not trying to please himself. He wants to minister to the needs of others. He'll look after you. And so that's Timothy. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because he, as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. So then Paul entrusts Timothy also to be the leader of the growing church in Ephesus. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.3 Writing to Timothy as he's in Ephesus, I, 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 as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. He's given him apostolic authority to be a leader in the church of Ephesus. Uh, church tradition has him as the bishop of the church in Ephesus. So let's let's talk a little bit here. Now that's an overview of what we know about Timothy. So you know some of the things that we know. I didn't. I didn't quote all the verses about him, but that just sort of gives you a sense of, you know, where Timothy ends up in the heart of Paul and, and, and in the movement of the, the gospel and the establishment of the church. So I hope I did a good job just sort of doing an overview. But now let's look at this situation in verses 1 through 5. Because see, Paul comes, Paul go, goes to Lystra, Dur- Barnabas goes to Cyprus. Okay, Because on the first missionary journey, they go to Cyprus first. And then then they go up um, into Galatia and then back around. Um, okay, but Paul goes the opposite way. Barnabas goes to Cyprus and Paul goes the opposite way. Back up uh, into modern-day Turkey and um, visits Leicester and Derbe first. So he goes up there and he finds Timothy. And many people think of these verses where he finds Timothy and has him circumcised and brings him alongside and from the perspective of Paul and, and Paul bringing him in. Okay, but I want to think about Timothy a little bit because see, Timothy had to go through his own process in joining Paul's team. You know? He, Timothy had to go through his own. He, he was there. He's been discipled by his mother and his grandmother. He's been a part of the church. And now suddenly Paul shows up and says, Timothy, I want you to leave your home and I want you to travel with me. And so Timothy has to go through a process. In fact, Timothy had to was presented with a, with a very significant choice. Timothy had to submit to circumcision under the leadership of Paul. Now, uh, circumcision as a, as a grown young man would be a significant decision. You know, that's no small thing. So Timothy, actually, we see here in these verses that Timothy is getting himself ready to answer a powerful call. And so, typically, in the, when, the, when God calls somebody, there is a defining moment that marks the person as being set apart for a specific purpose and that is what I see here happening with Timothy and Paul and this whole thing of circumcision and Timothy deciding to do it. Because, so, you know, it didn't happen like that. I mean, the man had to have some time <laughs> to be ready to travel after the operation. So there's no simple thing, right? Uh, what was it back in the book of Joshua? You know, eight days or something like that. I mean it took a it took a while after the operation for Timothy to actually be ready to do it, and this was a a significant decision for him okay it's not it's not an experience he's going to forget either. this is definitely a defining moment in the life of Timothy and so those who are called by God will have an encounter with God they will have a defining moment because God is going to mark you as someone who is called who has a specific purpose, and God will mark that call with a defining moment. Sometimes multiple defining moments, but most people can trace it back to one where it started. Mine, I was 16. I grew up in the church. My dad's a a pastor, local pastor. I grew up in the church. But at 16 years old, I went to a camp called Camp High Harbor. And I've told this story before. And this couple who rode around and there's this couple that that rode around in a little camper with a Casio piano and play worship music for little youth retreats. And it was the simplest setup ever, honestly. A little sound system or a Casio piano, and I think they were playing Awesome God. And, I mean, I couldn't resist. I was, you know, I was playing video games and, you know, thinking of. You know, wanting to be a rock star and dyeing my hair green and, and suddenly, I'm at the altar, and I, I know' I'm, I'm never going to be the same. I'm, you know, I remember walking out of that little chapel in Camp High Harbor, and I walked out in the woods by myself, and I said, I, I, "God, I, I don't know what's going on, but I'm yours now." Never forget it Define, defining moment. People who are called have that. Biblically, we see this over and over again. So let's look at Abraham. Genesis 15, right? God overwhelms Abraham with a deep sleep. The animals are split, and the fiery pot and the torch come through and consume the offering. That's a defining moment. Mercy. Moses, Exodus 3. Okay, God visits Moses in the desert with a burning bush voice coming out of a burning bush, but the bush, bush is not burning, and says, you know, uh, you're going to lead my people. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get them out of out of Egypt, and you're going to do it. That's a defining moment. Gideon, Judges 6. Gideon, by the way, was an absolute nobody in that culture in that time. Absolute nobody. Benjamin, the, the least tribe, the least family of the least tribe of the house of Israel. Right? Uh, he's He's threshing wheat in a wine press to hide it from the Midianites, and an angel says, "The Lord is with you, mighty warrior." Defining moment for Gideon, right? Eventually, with 300 guys and God leading the way, you know he overcomes the enemies. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter six, God opens Isaiah's eyes to see into the heavens and the seraphim. You know, with the wings and the mighty, all the sounds and the colors and the visual effects, I mean, goodness gracious, Hollywood's got nothing on that. And then, uh, he says, woe is me, and God touches his tongue and says, who will I send? He says, well, how am I gonna say no now? I've seen the glory of God and I know how unworthy I am. I'm yours forever. And he becomes God's mouthpiece for the rest of his life. Paul himself in Acts 9, Jesus visits Paul in a vision and gives him a call. Totally redefines his life. Turns his life upside down. He's, he's the opposite of what he was. He was Christianity's greatest persecutor and then he becomes Christianity's greatest advocate. Defined his life. And so now Timothy here and he has a defining moment. You know, Timothy could have resisted. He could have said, uh, I don't, I don't know Paul, I mean, I love Jesus. I'm saved, but I don't know about being circumcised. Let's think about this for a few weeks. <laughs> let's, let's just uh, let's just put on the brakes a little bit, <laughs> you know. But but Timothy was willing. He was willing to respond, to surrender to what uh, his spiritual leader was asking him to do, to enter into a call of ministry. And I mean, imagine his uh, imagine his reaction when Paul sat down and said, "Okay, Timothy." Uh, You know, I think you really, really think we could do some things together. I'd like to take you along, but I'm going to need you to do something first. You know? I need you to be circumcised, Timothy. Whoa! You know? (laughs) Have you had a defining moment in your life that has marked you as someone who is called of God? Are you running from your defining moment? Do you remember it and do you still hold dear to it? Does it still define your life? Or have you just, you know, has the world kind of come in and uh, robbed you of that call a little bit? That happens sometimes, you know. We see that. And then people get back on the horse and you go again. It's okay. There's no condemnation. But I'm here to exhort you that if you're listening to this channel this morning, You are called of God. Hold true to that defining moment that God put into your life. You know, a lot of people have come to Rick Bonfield Ministries that I really believe had a genuine call in their life, but for one reason or another, uh, they weren't quite able to surrender to it. Right? We've seen some people come through our ministry that I really believe had a call. They still have a call. The call is not taken away. But they, for whatever reason, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, relationships, uh, you know, they're mad at God, they want things their own way, you know, they're afraid of the money side of it, you know, and so the call of God is not an autopilot thing, it's interactive. I mean, Timothy had to surrender. Timothy had to come to terms with what God was doing in his life and what God was asking of him. So the call of God is interactive you have to get in there and say okay god i don't know how this is going to work and i might i might fight it a little bit but uh, i i can't just say no i okay I, I want to do it somehow help me to figure this out lord show me what to do and god'll start working that out with you you know timothy had every reason just to stay there and not leave right his mom and his grandmother taking care of him and had a supportive family could have been just comfortable there but timothy said no i'm going to respond to god's call upon my life so are you going to submit to God's call on your life? Are you willing to let God be in charge? I want to read Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Because I think this is a verse that can speak to anybody, whether you're someone who's been in ministry a long time, whether you're just, just now working it out, or maybe you know that God's trying to get a hold of you and you're running. Hebrews 12:1 and 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Is there something that's entangling you today? Is there anything entangling your mind, causing confusion, causing you to doubt that God has called you, causing you to doubt that God is with you, causing you to run from God's call upon your life, hindering your ability to fully respond to that defining moment that God is trying to bring to pass into your life? What is it? What's the devil trying to bring at you to entangle you, confuse you? Call it out. Don't let it just sit there as sort of this thing that's allowed to percolate on the left side of your brain in darkness. Call it out. Say, God, I can't, I can't deny anymore that this is going on in my mind, this is going on in my heart, and it is preventing me from hearing You. It's preventing me from surrendering to You. It's entangling me. It's getting me all tied up in knots. And I just don't want it anymore, God. I want to be single-minded. I want to be of one purpose. And I can't live a double life. I want to be fully committed to You. Help me, God, to not be entangled anymore. This is it, God, and I want it dealt with. I want to encourage You to do that. Submit. Just as Timothy submitted, and he had that moment. And he went on a mission with Paul. and Man, that mission led him into a life of ministry that at that moment, I'm sure he could not even fathom that he would end up in Ephesus being the, uh, you know, the, uh, bishop. <laughs> Amen. Well, with my remaining time here, I see one more thing that I want to point out that's going on here. And that's this. Uh, God is the one who brings people alongside us in ministry when we need them. You know, in America, we have this idea that we kind of have these interviews and we choose the best candidate right <laughs> we we gather all these applications and we do all these interviews, and then we just choose the best candidate that we think is going to be the right fit for our company, right You know that's sort of the you know the profit in churches and in non profit Christian environments we sort of adopted that and it came from American corporate world now you know i sometimes, yeah, but honestly honestly, sometimes God will send you somebody that you you probably wouldn't have chosen if you saw their application. But see, God knows that inside of that person is more than what you would ever be able to see on a piece of paper or in an interview. And so we have to be open to the fact that God will send us people. I mean, you know, when, as Paul set out, you know, I don't think, in my heart, I just believe this. I don't think Paul set out knowing that he was going to come to Timothy and and bring him alongside. I think that the Lord sent him. See, the initial plan, and and then see, the initial plan was for, for Paul to just go back to the cities he'd already been to. Now, if you, as we are about to get into the second missionary journey, the actually as when they go visit Lystra and Derbe and Iconium, then. After that work is done, they sort of go north a little bit, the Samothrace and uh, Troas, Samothrace, Philippi, Ephesus, and then they make this big giant circle and then come back around. And that actually wasn't in the idea. Acts fifteen thirty six says, let us go back and visit the believers in all the times we were preached where we preached. So, so they were just going to go they were just going to go back around. They, they weren't planning on extending the mission even further in all these other cities. And so God, when He got to Lystra and Derbe, God gave Paul Timothy because God knew that the mission was about to extend. But I don't think Paul knew that ahead of time. Okay? So, so, uh, so God was in charge of sending Paul somebody that he needed to do additional evangelism in many other cities. And, you know, I really don't think that Paul was aware of that. But God sent Timothy in the right time. Now, uh, I believe that I've seen God do this here. In my 11 years at RBM, I've seen this happen. When we started going to Cuba, it was about one trip a year. It was maybe kind of small. And then suddenly we started doing two trips a year of 35 to 40 people to Cuba in addition to Brazil and Israel, plus Rekindle the Flame. Well, what happened when we started doing that? God sent two full-time people. God sent two full-time people. And we were able to do it. Jason Goins and Raymond Church. God sent them here and 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 they they were here for the time they needed to be here so that we could fulfill the call that God opened the door for Cuba and we're about it's gonna open again and I believe that God's gonna He's already sending Randall Cup. We needed Randall and we really didn't even know how bad we needed Randall Cup, honestly. So God sends the people that we need, and so we have to be open and, and looking out for that. I remember when um I remember in our Atlanta Bible study in 2018, Pastor Rick felt led to sort of reorganize how we approach the worship. And so we were going to make a change in the worship team. We weren't looking. We had no idea. The very same month that that decision was made, without us putting out... You know, any feelers or anything, God sent Kyung Kim. The very same month. God sent Kyung Kim, he's been leading worship in Atlanta Bible study since two thousand eighteen. And so God sent him right when we needed him. And we, we weren't we didn't even know he was coming back. <laughs> you know, he came to the office ten years ago for, for Pastor Rick to pray over him before he went to seminary. And then he comes back in August 2018 and he's been our worship leader ever since. We didn't know he was coming back. You know? But praise God. So God will bring the people that we need when the times come. But we've got to be on the lookout because sometimes the people that God's sending, it might not be the people that we would choose if we had an application and interview process. And so in ministry, we have to just be approaching it a little bit differently. You know, who is God sending? And look at what is God saying about the people and not what do I think about the people or not approaching it from a worldly perspective in ministry and in church. Oftentimes the person who is going to do the best job is the person who actually had never done it before. But inside of them is the ability to do it And we can't see it, but God knows it's there. So it takes a revelation, it takes discernment to hear from God about somebody. So pray about that. If you're somebody, if you're a ministry leader and God is leading you, who is God sending to encourage you and lift you up in your ministry? Be open to it, being somebody that you might not have thought about. So those are two things that I wanted to point out that I saw in these five verses that as I prayed, I don't want to just, you know... Run over him. I saw in, in Timothy that moment, God, oh man, where he just was defined. And I mean, he was marked when he was circumcised. He said, God, I'm doing this not to be saved, but because I'm called into ministry. So let's do it, God. Okay, yes, I received the call. Let's do it. And then Paul is open to God sending him somebody that he didn't even know he needed when he set out. So those are two things I saw there that I hope uh, you were encouraged and you got something out of this Bible study and these five verses. And it'll be fun as we begin tomorrow morning to look at what happens as they move out and and the the vision, the horizon expands where the gospel is going to go. And so listen tomorrow morning for Betty McKinney at 9 a.m. But stay tuned right now because you're going to hear Pastor Rick teaching a powerful Bible study coming right after me at 9.30. Have a great day and we will see you soon.
1: God's mercy so amazes me. Oh, God's mercy so amazes to me. To every generation, He gives the joy of His salvation. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me. i watch the world around me I can see his From the seed of Abraham And led them through the wilderness Into the promised land In boundless love and mercy He gave his only son Who became the sacrifice For everyone Oh, God's mercy So amazing to me Oh, God's mercy